Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Catafamo with Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network. Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? So last week, I got a chance to talk a little bit about the postseason, and a lot has been going on uh, that I'm not actually going to get into right now. Uh, the Nationals are going to the World Series. Congratulations. The Yankees and Astros uh, game today got postponed, so we're still in for an incredible series there. Whoever wins that one will take on the Nationals, so my World Series prediction is still alive. I'm very happy about that. Also, Joe Madden was announced today that he is going to be the next manager for the Los Angeles Angels. And I could not be happier. Three years, 12 to $15 million range. It's perfect. It's the perfect amount of length. Joe Madden is a phenomenal manager. I think he's going to step in and do a great job with the Angels. My prediction was right. You speak something enough into existence, and it becomes reality. I swear. Now, I'm going to keep saying that I'm going to become a millionaire, and we'll see what happens. But Joe Madden, I nailed right on the head, and I'm pretty sure you know I can't take a lot of credit. I can't even take any credit because that was the obvious choice. The obvious choice was for the Angels to go after Joe Madden. They went after him, and they got him, and now we can all sit and relax and be happy that the Angels finally have a great manager in Joe Madden. And so with that, I'm going to get right into this week's episode. I got a chance to sit down with Ian Edward Nielsen of the DodgersLowdown.com. The Dodgers were in the World Series. They're the fellow LA team, so I thought it'd be fun to sit down and talk with him and get his thoughts on the uh, the Dodgers, his thoughts on the uh, managerial situation with the Angels. He accurately also agrees that Joe Madden should be with the Angels, but there's also a prediction for you Angels fans that I think you're really going to like. So it was a great conversation. We got a chance to talk about the Dodgers. We got a chance to talk a little bit about the postseason. I gave him a hard time for being a Rams fan. So it's going to be, it was an excellent episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. Go follow Ian on uh, Twitter, Ian E. Nielsen on Twitter. Go check him out. He's a really good guy. We both went to school in Arizona, uh, not at the same school, but we've kind of become friends on Twitter. So uh, with that, uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and listen to this episode and uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, but uh, first, I just got to knock out a couple more things before I send you into the episode. Uh, if you're interested, if you're interested in advertising with the uh, with the network just contact us at believe.com b-l-e-a-v.com uh, follow all of us on social media at believe podcasts on instagram and twitter probably facebook uh, my social media is at intern underscore phil i didn't do this at the end of the episode so i'm doing it now uh, you can find all of you can find the show and a bunch of our other great shows on all of your directories itunes spotify google play stitcher luminary tune in we just added a florida state show go check that out eric davis does a great show with the 49ers uh, there's shows about the rams the raiders the the probably the Chargers. I would assume maybe the Packers. I don't know. We got a whole bunch of great shows that aren't just about sports. This network has been we were reaching out its branches as much as possible to hit every single uh, market and every single uh, topic to give everybody a great variety as to what to listen to. And there's literally a show for anyone. There is a show for everybody and anyone. So go check them out. They're great shows. Listen to this one. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. I really don't know how the subscribe works on Spotify. And with that being said, again. My Twitter handle is at intern underscore Phil. Please uh, tweet at me, send questions in. Like I said last episode, I want to get some more engagement with listeners. So uh, let's have a conversation on Twitter. Also, if the audio sounds a little bit weird on uh, the interview, it's because I was actually at home when it recorded, and I guess I need to get a new mic because my home microphone is uh, is starting to go out. So with that being said, it's a great interview, and enjoy this interview with Ian Edward Nielsen. 
All right. I am uh, currently speaking with Ian Edward Nielsen, the managing editor slash senior writer for Dodgers Lowdown and the co-host of the Incline podcast, which you can find on Spotify, iTunes, and a whole bunch of other directories. So Ian is a diehard Dodgers fan. And considering that the Angels weren't even close to making the playoffs this year, I thought I'd get a chance to sit down with a fan of the other side of the freeway. Uh, so Ian, first of all, if I could give you a hug, I'd give you one. Um, but I can't. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, honestly, watching the Nationals beat the crap out of the Cardinals is bittersweet because it makes me feel like my team could have been there. But I guess at least I feel like we lost to the best. You know, it's kind of weird because you know the Dodgers got knocked out by the Nationals, but in a weird way, like who do you even root for? Because the Nationals knocked out the Dodgers, but the Cardinals have also knocked out the Dodgers in playoffs in the past. Yeah, no, it was an easy one for me. I'm- Definitely all, all in on the Nats this series. I have an Expos jersey, so I've been wearing that. Uh, I'm cheering for the Nats this series. That's just the way I think. If my team lost, I'm going to cheer for the other team all the way because that way I feel like at least we lost the best team instead of another group of rejects. And that makes us feel even worse than we already are. Yeah, and the uh, I mean, I mentioned it in my episode last week that, I mean, personally, I think the Nationals are the team to beat definitely in the NL. Uh, I don't know how they're going to fare against the Astros or the Yankees. It's probably going to be the Astros. In, in my opinion, it's going to be the Astros. But uh, uh, it, we're, we're probably in for a really good World Series. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a great World Series. Um, it's going to be kind of reminiscent of the classic ones that we've seen. Um, ones of the 90s with Atlanta, you know, where they had just this massive, great starting pitching in recent years. I mean, there's aces on teams, but we've seen a bigger trend towards bullpen and shortening games and I think it's going to be a good one because if it ends up indeed being Astros Nationals you're going to see Verlander, Strasburg, Scherzer, Cole, Granke, Corbin it's, it's going to be a great series kind of a classic throwback so I'm looking forward to that hopefully. Well you mentioned the Atlanta Braves and it's like weirdly enough the Astros have their own version of Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox and John Smoltz with Granke and uh, and Garrett Cole and uh, um, Justin Verlander so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we're in for quite a treat in terms of the World Series. So going back now to the Dodgers, uh, give me your grade. Let's start from the top. Let's start in the beginning of the year. Give me your grade for the Dodgers season before the playoffs. Grade for the Dodgers before the season or before the playoffs all season. I would give that team, um, I'd give them a B, okay. B minus maybe. And, and I'm not saying this is a bitter fan that, lost, that watched them lose in the postseason. Because I think getting up to about the All-Star break, or not even the All-Star break, the trade deadline, I would say they were sitting at about a A minus, B plus. Uh, they struggled down the stretch a lot. Um, and I think their 106 wins was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, to be honest. The National League West um, featured three teams with losing records. Uh, nearly had three teams lose almost 90 games. Um, there wasn't a lot of competition. And a lot of these games that they were winning, um, games where rookies or the guys that they're relying on at the end of games, guys were an Arizona game where there was five straight walks. It was just, it was absurd. Um, so I think the LA Dodgers, in my opinion, a lot of people thought this was just an absolute domination year. I think they relied a little too heavy on young guys. Um, and I think we started to see who they were in August when guys like Bellinger started to come back down to earth. Uh, Corey Seager, I believe, didn't look great all year until the very end. And then postseason came and he went back to where he was. Um, and I question that starting rotation a lot and the bullpen. I mean, Jansen and Kershaw were your two studs for years, and those guys were giving up home runs like they'd never given up before. Uh, Ryu beat up on a lot of National League West teams, 
goes and plays teams like the Yankees and other teams that stretch in August is the balloon. So, all in all, I'd say it was a fine season. Uh, it was good that some of the younger guys got experience. Um, my hope is that it just makes guys like Cody Bellinger that much more hungry. Uh, Walker Buehler already looks hungry. So, all in all, it was a fine season. Um, I think the 2018 team, although they had their platooning and Machado and a lot of disruptions, I think that was slightly a better team. It was more talented. Um, and I think they had to overcome adversity. This Dodgers team overcame no adversity, and I think that's what ended up hurting them most in October. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, they won 106 games, and, and I, I agree, to be honest. It's it's weird, like, there's there's this weird sort of double-edged sword when you win a lot of walk-off wins. You know, it's great to win in the ninth inning, but at the same time, you know, if you're playing against the Rockies and you have to win, you have to beat the Rockies three games in a row due to walk-off. It's it's kind of like, why are you in that position against a team like the Rockies? And they had, yeah, they, they had the most comeback wins all season long, but like I said, it's it's weirdly like why why are you in that position and and canley jansen did not look good all season long um and and, you know the starting rotation like you mentioned ryu is he pitched well but as you said he he necessarily didn't play maybe pitch against the best teams every series um so there's definitely a lot of question marks going into la for the 2020 season personally i think that their peak was 2017 when they played against the astros um was far better with two le- with two less wins. That team was head and shoulders above this 2019 team. They would have beat them. Oh, 100. percent And you know, it's unfortunate that you know they've they've said sort of taken this step back. They make the World Series kind of by accident uh, last year, and then this year they get knocked out by a much better Nationals team. So. I just want to transition a little bit. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of questions for the Dodgers next uh, this offseason. One of the questions that has been answered is the managerial situation. Dave Roberts is still in L.A. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, Dave Roberts this season, Dave Roberts since he's came on, and then him going forward. You know, how long is he really going to last with L.A.? And how many times can management really sort of stand behind Dave Roberts every time they go to the World Series, they go to the playoffs, and they lose? Um, that's going to be a tough sell to the fans. This is now um, three years of complete mismanagement of that team in the postseason in October. And uh, I think this was the worst of the worst that I've ever seen. This was worse than when he pulled Rich Hill out and batted TK third in last year's World Series. Uh, so that's going to be a tough sell to the fans. I'm not even going to give my opinion on that end right there because um, we know how a lot of fans feel. Uh, luckily, the Dodgers, they know that they're going to sell out. The, they're going to have sell out crowds and people are going to buy the product every year. But uh, that's going to be a tough sell to fans. Dave Roberts, um, it was funny, I was just talking about my dad, uh, with my dad about this. When he first came on, he, I thought was, a, I thought he was going to be one of the best managers in baseball. I thought he was. It was the looking best that way. In baseball. Yeah, it was looking that way for a little bit. Because when you come on early as a manager, it was clear the guys loved him. They took to him. I thought, and you know, we came after Don Mattingly. This is, this is the end of the Mattingly era, which was probably one of the most incompetent managers I've ever seen in the history of any sport ever. Uh, clearly, the fact that he's been coaching the Marlins this long. He's killing it with uh, the Marlins. I, I don't think you're giving him enough credit. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> he's just tearing it up with all 56 of their wins or whatever it was this season. Um, yeah, but he's... So, uh, coming out of that, I thought, okay, Dave Roberts connects with his players. They like him. He's a nice guy. Um, I don't really have an issue. A lot of people, oh, you need to have that kind of hard-nosed... Well, you know, it's, 20, it's almost 2020. This is $100 million players are not going to stand up to that. See, the Tommy Lasorda and Sparky Anderson type 
managers and that, that error is done. I don't have an issue with that. My issue is um, Dave Roberts has been given the keys to an Audi three different times, and he's crashed it every single time. And all he has to do is look at the speed limit and don't drive drunk. And seemingly, he's doing that. And he complete mismanagement of the bullpen. My issue this time around in the postseason was his obsession with utilizing Clayton Kershaw in that game five. For some reason, it was some self-fulfilling prophecy that Clayton Kershaw had to pitch in that game. He was making it announced days before uh, to the Washington Nationals that we were going to piggyback Kershaw on top of Beeler. Um, I didn't understand that. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's home run rate has spiked. His velocity has decreased. He's, as Angel fans would know, similar to what Jared Weaver at the end of his career with velocity, just falling apart completely. And there was complete mismanagement. So it's going to be a tough sell to the fans uh, to keep Dave Roberts around when he watched his entire bullpen sit there in left field and watched Clayton Kershaw give up the lead and decided to leave Joe Kelly in, a guy who'd been hurt secretly throughout the whole month of September, and you want to leave him in two innings? I don't even I don't even understand the logic. They were such an analytical, smart team all season long, and then they threw that out the window in this series, and you can't blame Andrew Friedman for that. A lot of people want to come after the general manager, the president. He's done everything he can to assemble this team. All he's asked Dave Roberts to do is drive the car, and he can't even put the key in the ignition. You know, it seems like for me the the peak of Dave Roberts' managerial mishaps start with the Game 7 starting of Yu Darvish. Yu um, Darvish came into that. I, I mean, I, I, I can somewhat understand why you throw Yu Darvish. You wanted to maybe bring him back in free agency and give him a shot. He hadn't pitched in a couple games. Uh, I really don't understand. Because then you had Clayton Kershaw come in right after him, and he threw, what was it, four scoreless innings or something like that? I think he threw like three or four scoreless innings, and Kenley Jansen followed him. Yeah, I mean, not to be a Monday morning quarterback and talk about a World Series two years ago, but I've thought about this, and it's funny, and, and uh, baseball fans know, you know, uh, 2018, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, revolutionized the game with the opener, where you have a relief pitcher going inning or two. That's right. Um, my thought, in a Game 7, why wasn't Brandon Morrow out there in the first inning? Like, that's what I would have done. Open with a relief pitcher, and then move to your starters later, but too late to talk about that, but I would agree, that was that was the peak of watching WoW you got to think outside the box and be creative, and you decided to just go to a guy who was clearly tipping his pitches. Yeah. Speaking of tipping pitches, Rick Honeycutt, he's out as well. Um, that, that was another thing that tripped me out. This is like three years in the playoffs real quick with the Dodgers, yeah. where it had been known that a guy was tipping pitches, and in the MLB, in the postseason, as a pitching coach, a veteran pitching coach, that's completely unacceptable to do that. You cannot allow that to happen. Um, so there, there's going to be some change in turnover in 2020. Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, Rick Honeycutt because I'm also on the bandwagon of I can't at all stand Rick Honeycutt. Also, just a side note, while we're while we were talking, Jalen Ramsey just got traded to the Rams. Just want to throw that out. It's all good. Uh, yeah, the LA Rams. I, I really like what they've done today. They've added um, a linebacker, which is fine. Jalen Ramsey, I know he's a loudmouth, but I'll take him and his talent over Marcus Peters, who seemingly is Jalen Ramsey without the skill mm-hmm. and without the talent. And you add a, uh, a lineman to a team that was desperately struggling. Rams should be foreign too. I'm just going to put that out there, but that's for another time. Uh, well, I mean, I've been trying to keep it a secret all season long, but I'm actually a 49ers fan, so uh, the uh, Niners just got to. 
Oh, I'm very happy right now. I'm not worried at all about Jalen Ramsey because Jared Goff is still the quarterback. But anyway, um, Rick Honeycutt is no longer a part of the Dodgers. And you were talking about some of the decisions that they made um, you know, throughout the postseason and as well with the issue of tipping pitches. You take Rick Honeycutt out now. He's sort of like a, a specialist or whatever, whatever kind of role they want to say that he's in, which is essentially this the, just them taking him away from the spotlight and putting him somewhere else like they did with Ned Coletti when Andrew Friedman stepped in. Um, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, no, exactly. They're, they're doing the same thing with him as uh, Rick Honeycutt and Ned Coletti, so expect to see him on the post-game show only and never do anything because special assistant is basically a honorary position they give and they hand out a small paycheck too out of respect for your service, but it's really not much of anything. I think you're giving Rick Honeycutt too much credit that he has the personality to be on a pregame show. But uh, Mark Pryor steps in, and Mark Pryor has had very, very high success at the MLB level and has also had very low success at the MLB level. Um, what are kind of – I mean, I guess you can't really talk to his pitching methods and whatnot or, or his cerebral or mentality or whatever, but you know, what are your expectations or what are your, what are your hopes more ex- as opposed to expectations of the Dodgers rotation now under pitching coach Mark Pryor? Yeah, I was just talking uh, with someone about Mark Pryor taking over as the pitching coach. Um, has anyone ever been on the mound in a more frustrating, devastating inning in the history of baseball than Mark Pryor? Game, what was it, six of the 03 NLCS when he was on the mound for the Cubs, the Bartman incident? That's right. I mean, if anyone should know how to, if anyone knows how to overcome uh, adversity and deal with composure on the mound, it would be Mark Pryor. So, in a weird sense, I think it's awesome that he's the pitching coach for probably the most beleaguered franchise in the league right now, the Dodgers. Right. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to say, but the Dodgers bullpen, I think, is weird. I'm, I, I will attack the Dodgers in a lot of senses as a fan even. Uh, I don't think their starting rotation was as good as it seemed to be. I think their offense um, has been a bit spotty for years. But I actually think their bullpen is better than people give it credit for. Um, it's, it's a lot better than people give it credit for, in fact. And Mark Pryor was the bullpen coach. And he's clearly had a good amount of success over the year um, with underrated guys like Yimmy Garcia, who never got his chance to shine and should have been on the postseason roster, but that's for another time. Huh. Um, utilizing guys like Joe Kelly after early in the season, and Kelly found his way. I know he struggled in that last game, but again, he was injured. Guys like Baez, Kalarik, Urias turned full relief pitcher. I think he did an incredible job. Um, so he'll take over as the pitching coach. I feel confident about that. Um, because in the end, I, I'll feel as confident as I do at baseball. And in that sense, I mean, you don't, you don't need a coordinator to drop a play game, um, a game plan and a playbook. You have talent and the Dodgers have talent. Um, my bigger concern for their pitching, and we'll probably get into this in a minute, is the additions they make to supplement the subtraction, and if these additions will be assets or burdens on the franchise. So that's more my concern than the replacement of Rick Honeycutt. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, with Mark Pryor being the bullpen coach, you know, I was going to also bring up Joe Kelly, struggled early on in the season and then started to go back to his old self uh, as the season went along, adjusting to a new area, to a new team. Um, Do you think that Mark Pryor, with his ability to sort of settle guys down, do you think he can finally break Clayton Kershaw in October and Dodgers fans can finally see Clayton Kershaw be the best pitcher in baseball in October? Clayton Kershaw's home run rate is spiked and his fastball's down to 89. I hate to be that pessimist fan, and I really hope Clayton Kershaw proves me wrong, but every single year, 
since 2013, I've told myself, this is the year Clayton Kershaw's going to do it. This is the year he's going to do it. And that was when he was in his prime. He's going to be 32 years old now. His fastball velocity has decreased. People seem to know what he's going to throw and when he throws it. He locates it too much in the middle of the plate. Um, so I sadly do not think Clayton Kershaw will be broken by Mark Pryor. In fact, I have quite a prediction about Kershaw in the next couple of years um, and how it's going to end up. But I, I just, I'm really worried about sending a guy out on the mound who has these postseason demons and is actually physically regressing pretty badly. So, sadly, I, I don't think Mark Pryor is going to be able to... I, Kershaw can't be saved, unfortunately, at this point. I don't think... As much as I'd love it to see it, I really hope he proves me wrong. Because I don't think there's a better dude as a human being in the game than Kershaw. Um, I think we've seen the best of Kershaw in the postseason so far, and I don't know if it's going to get much better. Do you think that endorsement deal with Skechers will maybe calm his feet down a little bit and he'll be uh, a little more relaxed and more comfortable shoes? <laughs> and more comfortable shoes. Uh, well, Clayton Kershaw wearing Skechers uh, is only a hint to me that he is heading towards a role as a pitching coach, perhaps a father role as a little league coach pretty soon because Skechers are definitely Skechers. a dad shoe. Yeah, sketches are a total dead shoe. They're like the New Balance of yeah. the 2010s. It's insane. Clayton Kershaw is definitely, um, he's got, you know what? He's a, he's a great endorsement for Sketchers because say what you want, the dude's still making big bank and he's still going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher. Of course. And with that dad, and with the dad bot, it's like, dude, you've got like the perfect uh, advertiser, the mid 50s dude, that are uh, just looking for shoes when their wife goes out shopping. So I like it. <laughs> That's him. He's got the perfect shoes to uh, sit in the uh, sit outside of the lingerie store while his wife walks into Victoria's Secret. Um, so we talked about this past season. We talked about the playoffs. We talked about Dave Roberts and the new pitching coach Mark Pryor. Um, what are your expectations for the Dodgers this off season? Uh, my expectations are the same as I'm expecting the same and no different um, from the Los Angeles Dodgers. So. Although I hope and pray that Garrett Cole signs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I know he won't. Uh, Andrew Friedman will come back, as he should. Andrew Friedman's done an incredible job with this organization. Uh, and I think he's the last guy people should be pointing blame to. He's done an incredible job. I wouldn't expect much from the Dodgers. Maybe a weird signing like a Trevor Cahill kind of guy. Maybe they bring in, I don't know, a veteran bench. Like if Howie Kendrick were to sign a one-year contract with the Dodgers, I could see something like along those lines. Okay. But anything reminiscent of a Garrett Cole or similar to last year, the big big name free agents, the Harper Machado type of last year, Madison Bumgarner type, just those big name dudes. I don't see any of them signing with the Dodgers. Nor do I see the Dodgers making any disruptive trades. Uh, I could see a salary dump potentially, like if there was a weird way to get rid of AJ Pollock's contract. Though I don't see that happening either. I, I just think it's going to be a status quo off season for the LA Dodgers. Uh, because they really have sports and baseball specifically is very much a business, and the LA Dodgers are an amazing business. When you look at the sense that they lead the league in attendance every year, they sell out crowds, people buy their merch, and they have an eight point three five billion dollar TV deal that nobody gets to see. But we'll talk about that at a different time. <laughs> uh, they, they've done an amazing job creating revenue, and. They'll continue to create revenue, and they know that this team in the week NL West 
will win another division title. So I would not expect many upgrades or changes. I'd expect the status quo. Corey Seager's going to remain the shortstop. Maybe they'll grab some weird off-release pitcher that's got like six years of club control because he's like fifth in the league and sinkers when the sun comes down. Hmm. But a guy like Garrett Cole, big-name starter, I don't see anything happening, and I wouldn't expect it if I was a Dodgers fan, to be honest. If you could give me one of the Dodgers rookies that you think is going to have a breakout season in 2020, who would it be and why? A rookie that hasn't come up yet? Uh, it can either be come up or it can be that is, you know, a rookie last season, but will be, you know, like a Will Smith or a Gavin Lux. Yeah, um, if I were to predict, um, I would say Dustin May. Dustin May is going to have a breakout. Uh, the starting rotation is going to lose Hunjin Ryu. I uh, would not be surprised if it loses 40-year-old injury-prone Rich Hill. And that leaves you with a starting rotation of Walker Bueller and then Clayton Kershaw. And what else? There, there's not a whole lot outside of that. you got Kent Maeda, who's kind of between the pen and the rotation. So someone's going to need to step up. And for an organization that I don't see spending a lot of money in the offseason with great in-house options, Dustin May's the guy I totally expected from. I saw his MLB debut on August 2nd, and I've watched him pitch. I think he should have been pitching more in the postseason. The dude is absolutely electric. He has the makeup and the stuff of a pro pitcher. He's going to have a full offseason to work with Dodgers specialists and coaches. Uh, I totally expect him to have a breakout season and emerge as the number two behind Walker Buehler in that rotation. So we talked a lot about the Dodgers, but of course this is an Angels podcast. So I'll ask you the, the hot button, button question right now for the Los Angeles Angels is who will be their manager in 2020? Now I've got all my money put on Joe Madden. So are you behind that, and who do you think would fit well with the Angels for uh, for their manager this coming season? Yeah, there could not be any more possible of a perfect fit than Joe Madden, and the writing is on the wall. It is going to happen. Joe Madden, I mean, have you ever seen anything so obvious in professional sports or in, like, any business ever? I mean, like, A-Rod getting married to J-Lo was about the equivalent of the Rams hiring Sean McVay, like, coming out of nowhere. This this is so crystal cut clear. It couldn't be any more obvious. Joe Madden will manage the Angels in 2020. Um, Artie Moreno clearly wants it. Joe Madden wants to come home. He wants to be in Southern California because he'll have a massive contract and if you have millions of dollars, why wouldn't you want to live in Southern California? Uh, it's a match made in heaven, literally. Heaven. Halos. And beyond that, I'm not sure if you were going to ask me this, but I have a sneaking suspicion, Angels fans, that you will have a nasty one-two punch next year with Garrett Cole and Shohei Otani if he can be healthy and pitch a full season. Well, you heard it here first. Ian Edward Nielsen, a diehard Dodger fan, is confident that the Dodgers, I mean, the Angels are not only going to get Joe Madden, but also Garrett Cole. Uh, it is going to be an incredible offseason for either L.A. teams. Very fascinating to watch. Ian, I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Where can the people find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. I should have said this earlier. But you can follow me on Twitter at Ian E. Nielsen, I-A-N-E-N-I-E-L-S-O-N. Uh, Instagram's the same. If you want my Snapchat, you're going to have to DM me on Twitter, but I'm okay with that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I have a link to my podcast uh, that I co-host as well as my writing. So, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, and you'll find everything there. I want to thank Ian one more time for coming on. Ian Edward Nielsen, diehard Dodger fan, managing editor slash senior writer for Dodgers Lowdown and co-host of Incline Podcast. Find him on Twitter. DM, DM him on Instagram for his Snapchat. 
and everything else uh, I want to say. Ian, uh, take a cold shower and, and just, you know, cool down. I'm pretty sure the Dodgers will be back in contention in 2020. Oh, absolutely. They're definitely going to be back in the playoffs. I have full confidence. I will say that. All right. With that, I'm going to end this episode. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.